Hello, willkommen, bienvenue, konnichiwa, ni hao, jambo, marhaba. It's time for the Ominous Inquisition yet again, episode 282 on Sunday, 28th of May, 2023. I'm Phil. I'm Matt. And tonight we're very happy to be joined by our very special guest, Tim Freak. How are you doing, Tim? I'm doing really well, Phil. Thanks, uh, sir. Thanks for finding the time to join us. We really appreciate it. We know you're a busy guy and you've got a million mm. projects, I imagine, on the go at the same time. I have, yeah. <laughs> Too many, really. Um, you must really like writing books. Yeah, although I, I haven't put out a book for a long time. I wrote a lot of books um, during a period of my life, and then they started taking longer and longer. And uh, I haven't, I, you know, I may have even done with books. It may be that I look to other medium to actually get a, ideas across more quickly now. I suppose that's... Um a case of sort of harnessing the the technology as it's developed you know if you go back to the printing yeah. press when the printing press came along and it was such a historical game changer and changed the way we all interact and how information is dispersed and now we're in the digital age the internet age and that's the next game changer isn't it absolutely right and that's ex- that's exactly right and so you know hence it's a pleasure to come and speak to you and to anyone who's listening and and explore ideas in that way yes uh a lot of people will be familiar familiar with your work from uh, the Jesus Mysteries. Uh, personally, my uh, introduction to you was this one, the Hermetica, that mm-hmm. you did with Peter Gandhi, which uh, I know a lot of people who listen to us have read. And I think it was through our chat room that this was recommended to me. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's a really nice sort of overview of uh, the Hermetic texts and nice introduction. So I really enjoyed that one. But um, going on to sort of what I really wanted to ask you about was sort of the big questions, really, because you are a philosopher and we don't get to talk to a philosopher every day, do we, Matt? Except you, obviously. For- <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, I yeah, no comment. Um, there's so many uh, aspects of the human condition that are sort of mysteries, aren't there, Tim? And one of the things that um, often com- confuses me, because I'm interested in metaphysics and the nature of, us and what makes up a person and I wanted to get your take on this because I I keep reading different uh, terminology for sort of the component parts of a human there's 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 spirit there's soul there's consciousness there's aura there's all these different things I mean how how do you sort of conceive of what makes up a human being well my views have changed considerably over the last 10 years so in most of my books, I was exploring the traditional idea. And I think the traditional idea is actually essentially quite simple. Um, there's a very basic division 
of body and soul or psyche. The, the Greek word psyche means soul. Soul comes from the Germanic. But it means the same thing. And I think they get theolo theolo theologized, uh, but essentially what they're pointing to is something obvious, which is we're always experiencing two different domains. There's the domain of the physical world and the senses, and then there's the domain of imaginal information, which is the psyche or soul. So right from the beginning, I think human beings have been trying to account for what are these two domains that we're experiencing? How are they related? And what does it mean for life and death? So essentially, I think that it's kind of obvious. And, and for me, it's like what, what intrigues me now is that my body is making funny noises, which are reaching you via technology. But what you're hearing in the psyche is meaning, but there's no meaning in the funny noises. They're, they're completely different domains. And then in various traditions, you get this idea sometimes called spirit, a pneuma, uh, there's lots of different names for it. And, and I think that's referring to something more universal, which in the past I would have translated with the word consciousness, but I don't think that's the right word anymore. I'd now say um, being is a better word to use. It's like there is a beingness to everything, and my essential beingness and your essential beingness is the same beingness of the universe. But I have, But I am a unique body and soul. And then how's, how's that related? And for me, the big turnaround has been to go the traditional view one way or another is that you're essentially this disembodied soul thing which has got trapped in a body and needs to get out. And I think that was an interesting view that arose historically for all sorts of good reasons. But now the revolution that's happened in our understanding now is that we know that the universe is a process of evolution and Therefore, it seems much more reasonable now to think that the body and soul have evolved, the body and psyche have evolved. And that's what I'm interested in in exploring. A lot of the sort of um, spirituality that's become popular in recent times has this sort of concept of oneness. And um, I'm quite interested in, in Gnosticism and things like that. And they, they, they put it in a certain way of... of it's like points of light and that one shall leave this sort of mortal being. We're all sort of um, points of light that are trying to escape back to unity, to this sort of oneness. Do you think there's anything in that? Are you believing in that sort of thing? Not really, not now. Um, it feels like it, it, it was, a again, it's like I think these, what I'm interested in, I think everything is evolving. So I think spirituality has to evolve, just like our understanding of the world has evolved, just as science is an evolution of what Archimedes did. or you know, Everything keeps evolving. So although I think there is ancient wisdom for sure, I don't think it's like they knew and now we've forgotten and we need to remember. I think they had a stab at it as best they could with the ideas they had, the images they had, and then they passed it on to us to do better. Mm. And... So this, this, this idea that of the sparks that you get in the hermetic tradition and the Gnostic tradition is a lovely image. But I don't think, I think we can, I think we need to push it on now and, and see it. Um, see it, what, what, what really fascinates me is can we account for spirituality, the experience of oneness, the experience of something bigger than us, the immortality of the soul, the, all the experiences you can have if you go and explore the imaginal 
with psychedelics or meditation or any of the myriad techniques that I've been playing with for decades now. And I'm, you know, and you probably have too. It's a big place out there. Can we account for all of that within an evolutionary framework? That's what really intrigues me now, because that opens up the possibility of uniting all of our human knowledge into one narrative. And they, and that wasn't available to our ancestors who were putting together the Hermetica two thousand years ago. Say, right. Um, but that, but the, but that. But that wisdom that they put together is what informed the Renaissance, which then created the Enlightenment, which has now led to us. <clears throat> and somehow we need to find... The great danger, I think, is that the process we've made culturally has led us to dismiss all of that, whereas I think it's highly important, really, really important, and we need to now integrate it into back into our general understanding of the universe. Um, you've used the, two, the term evolution a couple of times already, yeah. and um, I'm not an expert on biology or Darwinian theory or anything like that, but it's sort of my rough understanding is, is that there is something that pushes biological evolution, whether that be um, characteristics that favour survival or breeding or it could be numerous different things, but there is a, a pushing a, a motive force that pushes evolution biologically. So what's going to push us to evolve spiritually if, it need, if, if such a thing is needed? Well, well I, the first thing is that the, the, if we now have to... The big revelation, I mean, Darwin's revelation was immense. And I think one of the things that he showed was that we didn't need anything pushing, that actually the process itself was creative. Um, but then 100 years ago, all of that became... Well, a hundred years ago, we realized the whole universe had evolved. So that you know, 14 billion years just under, the universe was hydrogen just about. And now that hydrogen has become you and me having this conversation. That's, that's one hell of an image. It's a very Gnostic Myth in many ways, I think. Yeah, it's like the monad, isn't it? In the door. Yeah, it's going, look, from the simplest of beginnings has come everything, all of matter and then life and then soul. So this so that the universe is itself a a process of becoming intelligent. The universe is learning how to be all these things. And I think that process is now happening primarily on the level of psyche. And you can see that because we're talking in different parts of the country on computers and Zoom and the internet. And it's like, where did all that suddenly come from? Because our ancestors certainly had no idea about that. Well, it came from the psyche. It came from the imagination. And that's where all the evolution is taking place. We are biologically not evolving much. We are, but not much. All the, all the action is now taking place in the realm of the psyche, in the realm of ideas. So I think that's where we'll move. Now, the, I think you may have put it on some of the stuff that you sent out about, to, about what we were going to discuss. What I'm... My... Um, intuition, is that the right word? I, I, I feel like a transformation is happening. I think a lot of people do. I, I'd be astonished if it wasn't, given that it's been... Everything's been transforming for 14 billion years. It seems odd to think it won't carry on. 
And then the question is, well, what is the next thing? And everyone focuses always on the technology and because that's amazing and that will carry on, I'm sure, and surprise us and well, it's doing it right now, isn't it? With AI and all of that. But I also think we are evolving as psyches, as souls, Im immensely. I mean, if you, if you study history, and I kind of have a little obsession with studying history, you realize that human beings today are not the same as human beings in the past. We've come from them, so there's huge similarities. But the, the, the history, you know, history is not somewhere you want to live. And people didn't treat each other very well there. And, and we have grown, we've become more compassionate. So my, the thesis I'm exploring is, is that state of awakening to oneness, which I've been exploring all my life since I was very young and sharing with other people, is that a process like the ancients tended to believe of escape from this awful shithole that we're stuck in? And so we never have to reincarnate, we never have to come back and we just get away and get home. Is it that? And I understand why they'd think that. Or is it actually the leading edge of this evolutionary process that we now know is happening? So that the increase in people actually being able to experience this state of oneness is a reflection of what may be the next movement in our human evolution, the evolution of the soul. So that's what I mean by the evolution of a univigil, an individual who's conscious of unity with the universe. And I wonder whether the next step in evolution may be a jump in who, how we understand who we are. Right. This is something that um, I was looking at at your website, this new concept of uh, individualism. And uh, it's a great word, <laughs> the word. And the, what's the um, ICU, is it? The ICU, the International Community of Individuals. <laughs> right. and, and because a lot of what I do... You know, a lot of what I do is experiential and a lot of it's to do with connecting for reasons we can explain. So I quite like the gag that it was called mm. the ICU because that's what we do. We see each other. Yeah, it's like because you're, you're in the process of, of building a community uh, to this end. So, uh, it's, you know, can you lay out a bit more detail about what this concept is, this uh, individual, individual concept and how maybe it differs from, from other philosophies? Well, one, one of the things which has be, always been important to me, apart from perhaps a brief period when I was much younger, is that I've never been of the school that went, oh, the individual's a bad thing, we need to get back to oneness, you're not really you, I'm not really me, you're an illusion, all of that stuff. Which has become, well, it became very popular about 10 years ago, and now I think it's beginning to pass, I'm glad to say. So my own feeling always and especially now, is the individual is the foundation from which we wake up to something, to, to the oneness of being, the thing I mentioned before. And part of that for me, a very simple way of getting that, is to say, look, I'm, I'm not this separate individual called Tim. I am Tim in relationship with the universe. There's never a moment where the universe isn't present. And you are you in relationship to the universe. And that's because... Everything about you has come from the universe. You're embedded in it. So the language which appeals to me is to go, look, there's, there is a fundamental oneness of being. If, you, if, you, if this is an evolutionary process and it's going from the simplest thing we can possibly imagine and becoming richer and richer and more emergent as new things emerge, then what's the simplest quality that we could think would be the foundation? And I think the simplest quality is the one that Plato pointed to, which is being. 
or Pythagoras. The simplest quality is, what, what's the quality everything has? Well, it being, okay. And then all the other qualities are different. So with our present understanding of physics, you can take the analogy of a field and information and go, well, maybe we can understand the universe as a field of being with evolving information, which is reaching, which is becoming ever more complex. But it's one field. You know, a bit like in physics, they go, look, there may be two electrons, but there's one field and they're, they're kind of the same because they're movements in the one field. Well, maybe everything is a movement in one field. The isness, the Zen phrase I quite like. So you've got a oneness of being arising as all of these different informational systems, including you and me, on all of these different levels of emergence. And then here we are. So what happens if one of us or, you know, if all three of us right now goes, oh, yeah, my being and the being of everything else is the same being. Then you start coming into these states of awakening. And there's a big shift. And if you go deeply into it, it's a really big shift. And that's what I mean by the individual. And, that, and the, 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 the most obvious thing that comes from that, in, in my experience of, of having done this a lot now of, over the decades, is that it elicits an emotional response. And the emotional response is love. Which is why I think you'll find in all of the spiritual traditions that I've written about these two important ideas. One is oneness and the other is love or compassion or benevolence and that's what i think we 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 wake up to and so what i'm trying to suggest is that process that when i become conscious of the field of being the the, the field of being as me recognizes the oneness of everything now that's a, essentially very similar really to the idea you'll find in hinduism or hermetica or gnosticism it's just now being reframed for the 21st century and there was a point, my friends, when, when I realized, I don't know when it was, 20 years ago probably now, where I suddenly thought, do you know what? The thing I admire about all these people I'm writing about, the Rumis and the Bodhidharmas and the Valentinus, the Gnostic, and all these people, is they all reinvented the spiritual tradition for their own time. That's why I remember their names. Because they moved it on in some significant way. And that made me think, oh, look, look, I, it's not enough to write about all these other things that were done in the past. We need to move it on. And part of that is it needs to be a spirituality which can engage directly with all of the other things we now know, um, and which you can put into the bracket of science, whatever that means. But, you know, all of that knowledge we have that is enabling us to connect like this on the Internet, we need it all to become one thing. Otherwise, spirituality will just disappear off into an irrelevance. That's a really great point you made about when you're talking about Valentinus, Valentinus, and and the Rumi and whatnot. We we uh, we often downplay um, what would you call them? Maybe spiritual masters from the past. We say, oh, it's derivative. They're borrowing ideas from something earlier. That sort of attitude. When no, they're what they're, they're taking what they already had and then pushing it on, moving it forward. Yeah, yeah, really, they are, and that's why they're, and and and. And in 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 and in, in in a ways that are interesting enough that we still notice it today. You're still reading about them. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two thousand years plus later. It's exactly. Amazing. Yeah, yeah. Who's got, who's going to be? Will they be reading, reading about you, Tim, in two thousand years? Do you think? And we're all <laughs> un, individuals. Well, who knows? I I my what I 
hope is that what I hope is that that there are enough people working on this that it will have the effect that I hope. My, my feeling is that that spirituality has a big role to play in the next phase of human evolution. Honestly, I think it's not in any position to do it. It needs to. It it needs to kind of grow up. It needs to. It needs to apply the same levels of rigor to itself that other forms of inquiry have applied. And it's that level of rigor which has given us such big jumps in our understanding. And if we can do that, then I think we can re... Then, then, then spirituality can be seen in a new light and it can be, play a role in mainstream society, not as something to do with the past or something which is... Um, a leftover, but it's something which is alive and vibrant and showing us new things about ourselves. That's interesting. When you mention a level of rigour, are you, are you thinking there of like using scientific method or a philosophical testing of different modes of yeah. being? Yeah, I mean, I think, I, think, I think really I just mean, you know, being willing to question things deeply and to doubt and to not take things on, on the surface and not to go along with things just because they're traditional or because they fit in with previous ideas. But, you know, all the great advances we've seen in science is because somebody thought outside the box. I mean, when you think about... I don't know, think of Newton. I mean, he was a deep man in many respects, but, I mean, to actually be able to get to the place where you could go, oh, I can show that the un- the thing which is making this thing drop an apple drop from a tree as they say is the same force that's actually moving the stars and planets i mean that that is such a jump from anything that human beings had ever conceived of before i mean it's immense and then for einstein to come along a little not that long afterwards and go oh yeah okay that was great but hey <laughs> all those concepts don't really work hold my try these <laughs> And then, and then we're into a completely different understanding. Well, that's what I think. We, that's what I would like to see for spirituality, and that's why, you know, I, I, I disappoint people because people read one of my books and they go, oh, "I really like it," and that's such a lovely thing when someone reads the way I've expressed ideas and it's helped them and they get it. And I mean, I'm, I'm touched. And then here I'm coming along, going, "Oh yeah, but I don't think I was right anymore." And it's like, what? (laughs) No. (laughs) Um, But I think that's part of what we owe each other, is to keep moving and to be able to go, actually, and and it's not the, it's a bit like the Newton and Einstein thing. I didn't mean to bring them up for this reason, but I can make this point with them perhaps, which is for practical purposes, you know, Newton's pretty useful. But actually we've moved on to a different form of physics. And in spirituality, it's not like the past is redundant. It's that we need to move on to a deeper understanding in a new context now and honour that by keeping improving it. And that means admitting we're wrong. And, and I'm up for that, which is why I've come out, for instance, recently about some of the ideas we were sharing here about consciousness and gone, oh, I think I was completely wrong about that. Oh, while you mention consciousness, where do you think it's derived from? Consciousness? Are you at the, at the it's a sort of accident of brain chemistry or it's tele telegraphed in from the fifth dimension or have you where, where do you sort of stand there do you, do you even have a, a firm view on 
the generation yeah. of consciousness. Yeah, I do. I think... Um, so my, my previous position would have been the, what is called the idealist position. You know, it's all in consciousness. There's one big mind, all of that stuff. I don't think that's right now. Um, for a whole load of reasons. Uh, so the way that I would approach this is, is to go back to what I said earlier, which is, look, I am Tim in relationship to the universe. And I look around me and I go, well, everything is the one in relationship with itself. Every, everything is the oneness of being in the process of becoming in relationship to everything else. So we live in a relational universe, it seems to me. So... What, so that my, so the, so that the way I would see the universe is that it's a uni-duality. It's it's one thing in relationship to itself through everything. So everything's relational, and and, and in physics now that's a major movement that that are oh, that physics is relational, and that's in quantum physics particularly, and that, that's really interesting to me. What that means is that I look at this and I go, oh, what's evolving is relationships between. Systems, And when I call things systems, I don't mean to degrade them. I mean, you, you know, you're a beautiful human being full of Thanks. imagination and creativity and thoughts. And I don't mean you're a system. I don't mean we live in the matrix. It's just a simple language to describe everything. I mean, we, we need, when we talk about human beings, we need all sorts of other languages to do with beauty and music and struggle and all sorts of other languages. But in a very simplistic way, I'm a system in relationship to all these other systems. And it seems to me that we can understand then that there is, if you see that, then every system is reading every other system or the systems it relates to right from the beginning. Chemicals are reading each other, which is why two chemicals will explode and another two will bond into something greater than them. And then when you reach the, the biological world, systems are reading each other all the time to survive and to avoid dying. So that reading of each other in a subject-object way it hasn't suddenly arisen. It's always there. It's there right from the very, very beginning. What happens is it keeps emerging. And what I suggest has happened is that with the evolution of life and death, we, the systems start taking in the most enormous amount of information through the senses. And the vast majority of it doesn't matter. But some of it really matters. <laughs> information about something you want to try to kill you, information about what you can mate with, information about what you can eat, that really matters. So that what the system develops is the ability to process this information that's coming in unconsciously, but is able to process it in, if you like, high definition. It's able to focus. And I think that's what consciousness is. That's what it is. I, I prefer to not to even make it a noun. I think it's, a, it's an activity. It's I am conscious of. So as I sit here now, I notice that, well, I'll, I'll, I'll suggest you do it now. I say, if, if you pay attention to your left foot, I suspect it will suddenly come into HD. You'll suddenly go, oh, my left foot. Before, it was still there. You just weren't conscious of it. It wasn't important. But I've just gone left foot, and oh, there it is. Wherever you put your attention, you are conscious of that, and you process it in, in, a, in, a, in, a, in a high definition, if you will. So I think then you haven't got this problem that something has arisen from nowhere because that relationality is all the way through the system right down to the very beginnings. 
And what you got is the, the, the evolution of relationship and then what we experience as conscious experience, what we, what's happening now, is a very, very, very emergent form of that, which is why it feels very special. That's right. the way I would approach it. Yeah. So that's um, because we're sort of, oh, I don't know if this is even correct, but we're sort of at the apex of evolution on this planet at least. Is that yeah. why there's this sort of uh, feeling of sort of human exceptionalism, you know, with us regarding yeah. the animal kingdom, for example? Yes, and, 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 and it's a great thing that we've realised that we're part of nature because we are, we've come from nature and that we're going to care for nature and we're not going to treat it badly, all of that. But I think you'd have to be pretty foolish not to, not to see that what's, what's happened for us is the really is the leading edge of the whole evolutionary process. And, and, the, and the big jump after just being conscious of the senses has been to be conscious of, of our processing in such a way that we've created the psyche or soul. So that if you look at the psyche or soul, it's full of images of the sensory world, but it's taken off in such a way that it's a whole domain has formed of imaginal information. So that my hypothesis would be that the the thing that gets called the Dwat by the Egyptians or the Bardos by the Tibetans or the spirit realm or has itself evolved. That this is that is the leading edge of the uh, whole process of evolution. So that the domain we're exploring with spirituality and the domain I think that the, the, the psyche or soul has evolved to survive the death of the body. So all of these these spiritual ideas, which I take very seriously, I think can be understood now within an evolutionary context. And it changes them in one way. But it's an extension of an old idea as well. On the topic of um, technology and very topically, um, Elon Musk's Neuralink was given, uh, granted FDA approval for the first clinical trials, I think yesterday, maybe or the day before. <laughs> Um, I'm not sure how I feel about things like Neuralink, but I want to get your opinion on, on what your views are regarding harnessing invasive technology like that to augment the spiritual evolutionary process. Well, I think it's inevitable. And I, I'm quite a, just by my temperament, I guess I'm a kind of optimistic and... And it just feels like, how exciting. What's that going to be? And I look at someone like Elon Musk and I see someone who's intensely creative and willing to take risks and, and it's like, oh, okay, where, where's that going to go? Now, but like you said, to me, it, it's going to supplement it. A bit like, you know, I live my life in front of this funny screen where I put all my ideas down and talk to other people. And that's great. You know, and some people don't think it is. They think it's terrible. I, I, I think it's great. I love it. And uh, I, I know, and it's made being a creative person and being a philosopher far easier than it was before, much easier. So brilliant. So if that can happen in some way, you know, if, if Elon popped around and said, hey, we're going to pull you, you know, catch you up with this thing and you'll be able to think twice as quickly and three times as well, I'd be like, yeah, do it now. <laughs> <laughs> Sign me up. Yeah. Drill in the head. Really. In the really. back of the head. Really. Wow. But, you know, that was the attitude I took when I was younger when someone said, hey, drop this LSD and you'll, <laughs> you'll just think in a new way and it'll be fantastic. And they were right. Yeah. 
Yeah. I um I'm I guess I'm more of a pessimist, Tim. Because <laughs> I love I love history as well. And history is rife with new technologies being used to destroy people first and foremost. And um yeah. I just I just worry um I'm I worry that our technological process is outpacing our spiritual process, our spiritual evolution, and that could be very deleterious to us and the planet, you know, because these tools can be wielded, like you said, for good or ill. And, um, you know, I don't don't want to talk about, you know, certain viruses that go around because a lot of people think that might have been a, a slip up, you know, that coming out. And uh, you're right. You're right. I mean, of course. And, and that's why we need we need pessimists and realists and we need optimists. We need both. And they need to be in communication. Um, but um, but I, I would say, you know, putting my own realist hat on here, I would say you've got there's not that much chance of halting human creativity. So if that's not going to happen, then the other side of the equation is what we've got to address, which is okay. Well, in that case, we better hurry up and get wise enough yeah. that we can use things well. So the imperative for me that makes me get up in the morning and do this crazy thing all day is that it's like oh we need to wise up now and there needs to be more and more of us until um we've moved the culture on yeah. and 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 the reason the reason i am optimistic sometimes because it's not always but it is because we have come so far and i do think it's important to see that because you can certainly look through history and see a lot of awful things but you can also look through history and go wow you know look at look at the way in which human beings have changed look at what we've achieved look at the good you know the 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 benevolence we've brought into the world the level of compassion has never been this high not even remotely that people care about other people on the other side of the world they'll never even meet or see or don't even know what they look like but they care and that's new that's a whole new thing and and so if we can keep that process going then maybe we can get away with it and be wise enough you know um, you mentioned briefly that you spend a lot of time in front of your screen, uh, <laughs> which all of us do. All of us probably spend too much. Uh, how do you balance that off? Do you have certain spiritual practices you do or going outside in the great outdoors? How do you sort of um, oh, recalibrate yourself to sort of get away from the, the technological age? <laughs> well, I, I, I do walk. I'm, I live in the countryside, so that's been... Uh, one of my favourite things is to do philosophy while walking. I love that. And most of the work that I end up sharing arises first in those situations. So there's walking. I love that. Um, but um, well, I used to call it meditating. I think it's now just sitting still with my eyes closed or sometimes without my eyes closed. So I think I do, I, you know, my, in my life I've done an awful lot of sitting still and I find that a very interesting thing to it's the opposite of the screen really is just to make bring everything as simple as simple as simple as i can make it and um and just see what happens and there's some very interesting states of the soul that you can enter into through that so i was just wondering you know just in terms of i suppose one of the accusations around society today is that um is kind of quite individualistic i suppose so you you kind of mentioned the meditation or sitting still and being quiet. 
Um, but is there any particular ways that you could encourage people to be a um, a uni individual? I suppose. Yes. Yes. Great question. Thank you. A perfect question, actually. Um, yeah. So. So one of the things is 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 kind of that's led me to this individualism is going okay. So we're, in the West, especially, but now it's spreading through the whole world, we are we have become individuals again. It's easy to assume people always were this individualistic. They really weren't. Mm. We, we, you know, we, you know, you look at old pictures and everyone's wearing the same clothes, and it's like, oh, those people all wear that hat, and those people wear that hat, and you know, now we're just like we have our own ideas. We're ideational individuals we have our own opinions everyone had the same opinion that what the church told you not everyone but much more like that we were collective we've become individual and then there's and that's great actually it's beautiful but there's a price we become isolated it can become narcissistic all the problems that people point to which is why i've looked at it and gone okay so what's what's going to resolve the problems of individualism and take it to the next level and that's why i think univisualism does and the practice that I've been exploring for 20 years, which blows me away, which I do at my retreats, is connecting people together. And it has the most extraordinary effect. So when people come to Glastonbury to one of my experiential events, we'll, you know, we'll settle in, relax, let people just be themselves. And that takes not that long. And then using looking is a good way, but you can do it through sound or even movement and touch. But if you're just sitting and looking at somebody, looking at their eyes, and what you become aware of if you do that in the right way is that you see their face, like you're seeing my face, here it is, all the 64 years of craziness, and then... But what you're connecting with, you can't see it. You're connecting with a soul, a psyche that's looking back at you. And that, when you get that, there's a connection of soul to soul, which is incredibly profound. And then there can be a moment where you go so deep into it, there's one of you looking at it itself, as it were. You see, ah, there's the, the oneness of being as Tim is reaching the oneness of being as you, and then we are connecting in that oneness so that if you do that I'll, I'll do a thing with people which, which can sound a bit intimidating but it's actually the sweetest thing it, you know once you start it you know you, you first people think this will be a bit much but by the end you're just like don't let it end don't let it end it's so great is i will get people and we'll play beautiful music really all sorts of different music but just kind of hold you and you'll get to sit with somebody and and just be with them looking in their eyes maybe for three minutes and then you'll move around and there'll be another person and you'll do it again. And then you'll move around and there's another person and you do it again. And you'll do that with a room full of people, maybe 20 people. I've done it with bigger groups, well, 20, you know. And by the end, you are in an utterly different state of consciousness. That's all, it, it, the love is like the room is just pulsating with this, you, you know, you're walking through it. There is a, it, something happens, we meld together, we form such deep soul connections and, and, and the, the level of people become so beautiful, everybody becomes so beautiful and that's 
the that's the way I can give people a taste of this individuality. And when I started doing it, people find it a bit intimidating sometimes. That hard, that never happens now. Every single person, I think, for quite some time, has just gone, wow, that just completely changed everything. And and so you're meditating, but you're meditating on each other. And you're that, you know, when I said everything's relational, where you're taking the most emergent forms of existence, you and people, and you're letting them relate in a safe, focused environment. And what you get is a, a, is a massive shift in, into a, what I call a deep awake state. That's really strange, isn't it? Well, I was going to say, does, have you tried, does this work online? Have you tried experimenting I have done it online? online and it does work online. The very, the very first thing that happened to me with COVID was mm. I should have been in Japan doing this with a, a big group of Japanese people. And I couldn't go. And they said, well, should we have it on Zoom? And I thought, Wow, really? I mean, I didn't hadn't done anything on Zoom at that point. It was a whole new thing, and uh, and we did it with Japanese people and translation. And I've been doing it ever since. So one of the things that my community, the international community of individuals, the ICU, we get together to gaze. And there's somebody in Australia, and there's somebody in America, and there's somebody in Sweden, and me in Glastonbury, and we're gazing with each other. And th- and you think, oh, this is interesting, because we're connecting because. My body's here, but where where's the soul? Where is it? I mean, just have a look for yourself. It's, it's not in space, is it? It's it's non spatial. It's in its own space. It's not it's not like the body. So what happens, I think, is that we form these deep connections, even though our bodies are literally on the other side of the world. And that's interesting because that nothing like that's ever happened before. And that's just arisen through this same this funny Zoom thing we do. I find it quite interesting because, you know, staring somebody in the eyes is, is just something that you, you, well, certainly that I wouldn't do. You'd get the sack for it if <laughs> you did it at work. <laughs> well, there's there's always that, isn't there? But Be careful out there. It, it's, get, it's, make sure you get consent before you start staring <laughs> at people. That, that, yeah. that, that's part of it. You're right. Yeah. That's part of it. You know, because it's not the eyes. This is the thing. You know, mm. often people will come to these events and afterwards they'll just go, oh, God, why don't we just look at each other and you know mm. and, and i have to tell them don't just walk out and just you know hello you know it's like that's not gonna work that's not a good idea not well you'd probably be fine in glastonbury but nowhere else <laughs> and and because it it it's not actually the eyes like all meditation it's the attention why because like i said earlier what you place attention on you process in high definition and the more you focus it's like if you meditate on your breath when I was taught that when I was very young, it seemed like the most boring... The basic message I heard was, if you meditate on your breath, it is so boring that if you do it for enough hours, you will become enlightened. And then what I actually found was that if you pay the breath or anything really deep attention, it becomes amazing because you're processing it in such focused in such a focused way and your breath becomes this oh my god breathing is just amazing so if you then take that attention and then put it on somebody else on something you can't even see then you get you're, you're paying attention to the most emergent thing in the universe 
somebody's soul. And the experience is, is enchanting in the deepest possible way. Wow. Um, I think that kind of makes sense to me, at least, you know, in terms of uh, certainly I spend a lot, large parts of the day in my own head thinking about my own thoughts and my own problems and my own issues. Um, so if I used up, you know, some of that attention just focusing on somebody else, um, whether that is in silence or just talking to them or whatever, um, there, is, there is an obvious difference there, isn't there, in terms of what will be going through your mind, both consciously and unconsciously, I would guess. Mm. Uh, yeah, and, and, and when I say it's not to do with the eyes, it's like what I want to, people to get is you can, once you've got it, you can do it with, you know, you can do it with blind people. You can do it with, you can do it with the person next door to you, even though you're not looking in their direction, because it's where you put your attention. You're just actually making a deep connection with your attention. And it doesn't have to be a person. It could be nature. It could be a tree. It could be the air. It could be anything. But another person is very special. Um, you mentioned the, the retreats that you do. I'm guessing information about that will be on your website. But I know yeah. when we were setting this up, you also do these Sunday night meetings as well. So can you tell us about that? Yeah, so that's the ICU. Um, we do that every Sunday night. Um, I'm not doing it this Sunday night because we also have a... a um, community meetup where I don't show up so that people can get to know each other without me being there because because of my relationship with it all if I'm there I will tend to do all the talking so I don't want to do that so they all meet up without me which is nice um and then otherwise we meet up and we'll have one week where we'll do gazing or we'll do meditation we'll have one week where we do philosophy we'll have one where I try out ideas it's kind of you know it's it's a it's not a subscription service. It's not like subscribe to my community, which people do, and that's great, but this isn't this. This is me going, I'm trying to develop something which is a new approach to spirituality. If you're attracted to it, join me. That's it. And support me in doing that. Because when I share the philosophy with you, it will be half-baked. It will be because I'm not quite ready to say it publicly yet. But I'll say it to you and you tell me what you think and I'll get better at saying it through sharing it with you. So you're supporting me. And I'm, there's, no, there's no fixed charge, in, and, and every, anyone can come as a guest. But it would be nice if you contributed something, because then I can use that to support what I do. And that's it. That's, so that's, that's, that's how it works. And, 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 and literally, you know, it's, a, it's a small thing. I've got, it's beautiful. People all over the world, and they've, and they've, got, they've become a community. They've become friends. Because, because I'm someone who wants to doubt things and find better things, um, it's very inquiring. Uh, and, and, but then because I'm a love junkie, there's a lot of people there that are just into the love thing. So there's a whole cross-section, a strange... Like my retreats, you know, you come to one of my retreats, I hope you do one day, and I have them in, I have them in my home now in Glastonbury because we've got one big room which we can get, you know, 20, 24 people in very, very comfortably. It's lovely in Glastonbury. And, you know, I'll do three a year at the moment since COVID. I'll, I'll do one in the autumn. In, in September, and then I do one at New Year, which is also an excuse to have a party and celebrate <laughs> being alive. It's like so. So at the New Year one, we'll have a after the the gazing I've talked about. Then we'll just put some music on and have a few drinks and and, and celebrate. So, but with all of them, it it it's 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 wanting to encourage people to be all that they could be. So because I'm not of the school that goes, 
oh, you're, you're already perfect and you've fallen. And all. Because what I'm saying is, no, I'm not perfect. I'm evolving, hopefully, towards something better, just like everything else is. So I want to support you and you can support me. And um, we do when we do it together, it's easier. It kind of sounds like workshopping uh, or like what a stand-up comedian would do. They would go to open mic nights to sort of work yeah. out the material and bounce yeah. ideas and they can gauge the audience reaction to improve the material. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, th- I think that's that's the, it's the same thing with philosophy. Yeah, very much. Um, and you want people you feel comfortable with, and you, you you know you can trust and 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 also you know I don't I I want to engage other people to help develop this anyway. You know because I'm 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 going to be here for a, such a short period. I'm going to be gone. So if this has got any value, it has to be of value to other people. So I, I don't want to hang on to it. I want to give it away. Wow. Um, we're running up on time pretty soon. Um, what sort of stuff do you read, Tim? What sort of books <laughs> do you like to read? I like to read books about things that I don't know much about. Um, so that's, a, just lo- that's a long list for me. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, well, it's a long list for me as well. But it's things where... Um, so I don't read spiritual books much. Right. Because um, I, I, I don't... No, I, I, most of them... I, I don't read spiritual books. Let's leave it at that. <laughs> but, uh, but I will read... I've read the latest... One of the... Recently, just finished a book by Jonathan Haidt, the American um, psychologist. That was yep. very interesting about ethics. I read an old book by Thomas Sowell, the... American Based. commentator, yeah. um, who was just a great writer, really, really interesting. I like thoughts which confront me and force me to look at my own ideas and maybe change them. Um, so Thomas Sowell is very good at that for me. He can, makes me think, so I like that. So things that make me think. And, 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 and they go, I go in phases. I, you know, there's phases when I'll read a lot and then there's phases where I don't. And part of what I do with the philosophy, I think, is deliberately avoid things which are too close to it because I'm somebody... I'm, I mean, I really admire Peter Gandhi, who you mentioned. You know, he's a dear friend of mine. Uh, one of the reasons I was a bit tired is I was at his house till very late drinking too much Jack Daniels last night. And, um, and we've been having this conversation about philosophy for 40 years or more now. Well, way over 40 years, 50 years. And... He's meticulous. He reads and reads and reads and reads and reads all this stuff. That's all he does, really. And and I'm much more like I I work better if I develop the ideas independently, and then I go and seek out all those people that have kind of had similar ideas before me and help understand that. But if I let them in too early, they just they confuse me, and I and I lose the clarity that I'm developing. Yeah, and I guess they will influence you as well. You know, we're, we're all a product of, of the things that we consume, whether it's media or podcasts or books, whatever. We are, but I, but I, I think because of the nature of the psyche and because it's, it really is a domain in which we're connected, I think my own thoughts are, ver- are, ver- are often influenced by people that I haven't read. It's only later that I go, ah, okay. So those thoughts which I was coming across had been developed. You know, so my last book, The Soul Story, was where I started laying out this evolutionary philosophy. And immediately afterwards, people would say, oh, so it's kind of like a uh, A.N. Whitehead uh, philosopher, 
for earlier in the 20th century. And I hadn't read Whitehead at all. But when I did, it was like, oh, yeah, it is. <laughs> There's a precursor here. And I find that a lot. That, that it's like, oh, okay, these people. And I, I do think we, I do think, well, that's part of the thing when you said, you know, do you think people will be talking about what I did in the future? And, of course, the likelihood is no. But what I do think is that everything each one of us does, whether remembered or not remembered, does affect how things happen and what comes next. Because I think we, are, we do exist in a collective psychic relationship as well. So it's not wasted. I think we, we, they move it on and then I can stumble across it easier because they already made that particular pathway in the psyche available. If everyone adopted that philosophy, God, the world, world would be a much better place, wouldn't they? You know, if we realise that our actions have every action, every decision we take has repercussions, negative or positive. Yeah. And uh, yeah, this is what hopefully you you know the spiritual awakening will lead to a sort of uh, uh, an accountability of ourselves and how we behave. You know, that's what I think it's really. For. I think it's really important. I, I was working. You know, part of what, you know, the thing I'm working on with individualism, it, it's, <laughs> I thought I was going to finish this project years ago. But I mean, it's been 10 years since my last book, just flat out most days working on this. And it's partly because what I want to, for my own sake, I guess, as much as anything, is I want there, there, I want there to be a coherence between ideas about the, the, the fundamental nature of the universe, the ontology or metaphysics of the universe, right the way through to how you approach spirituality, but also uh, how does that affect how we live together? How does that affect our politics? How does that affect... Because it's all one thing. It's not separate things. It's all one thing. And the, the ethical idea that I've been developing while I've been trying to work this out is a twofold ethic of universal benevolence and individual responsibility. And it was that second one that, that, that made me th pick up on what you just said. So the universal benevolence comes from... My experience of coming into the awakened state is this enormous love. But love's an emotion, and it comes and goes. And I couldn't function. You know, if I was just in that big, loved-up state all day, I wouldn't be able to do half the things I need to do and couldn't t talk to my accountant or anything sensible. be impossible. So that comes and goes. But there is something that clearly builds, because I can see that in my own life. And the word I give for that is this universal benevolence. What builds up the more you experience the oneness is this wishing well to everyone and everything. And that becomes established. So I find that, you know, even when someone pisses me off, I really wish them well, actually. You know, it's just there with everyone and everything, even people that I'm shouting at someone on the TV because they're annoying me. I wish them well, actually. And so that's the universal benevolence. And then because that's the, that's the recognition that everything is one, but also I'm an individual. I'm just Tim. You know, I'm, I'm the universe as this particular person. And therefore, this is where I can respond to what life sends my way. So this is where I can express that universal benevolence. And that's my individual responsibility with my particular friends and my family and my work and my place in the world. That, and, 
and the, and being able to have that sense that you said of that responsibility because part of that responsibility is to find the most emergent tim i can right yeah because that's my responsibility that's uh, i think that's a great note to end on would you agree matt i can care you can care well mm-hmm. i think we should wrap this part of the show up okay um thanks tim this has been fantastic mm. it's been a real pleasure um I'll put all the links in the show notes, as always. Um, if you can stay on the line for us for one minute, just while we play ourselves out. You lot listening on YouTube, we'll be back in 10, 15 minutes for part two, do some news. All right. Yeah. Okay. Ciao for now. Ciao. Thank you. Bye. What a freak show. <laughs> We've been getting freaky, haven't we? We're back. The dwarf, the cripple, and the giant fucking lenses. <laughs> giant fucking lenses. Yeah, if you're just joining us on uh, YouTube, you just missed a great chat with Tim Freak. Wasn't mm. that great? Yeah, um, it was an excellent chat. Um, the Freak Show, I think, is Tim's. I don't know if it's defunct now. Podcast, actually. Correct. Yeah, well, we didn't ask about that. No, did we? we didn't know. Blooming no. out. I wonder if he's still doing it. I wonder if you can connect via the medium of podcasting as well. What do you mean? Well, you could, maybe you could teach you the the method of individualism that way via his podcast. Via an or, your oral canals, right? You're not having it. No, I don't get it. Okay, <coughs> I don't get it. I never will. Okay, <laughs> no, you, you're quite a closed off person. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> God, throwing shade at me. Oh dear, shall we move on to part two? Yeah, <laughs> I enjoyed it. I enjoyed it though. I, I did. Too. Yeah. Well, oh, look at us. It's like um, what's it called? Blankety blank. <laughs> super match game. Super match game. Super match game. Super match game. Boom. <laughs> yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Uh, what do we normally do? I'm at sixes and sevens. Us now. Um, should, should we do, do some, some headlines? Oh, good idea. Yeah, let's do some. Show me what you got. Time for some headlines of the week. Got four, I think. The letters. A big news story. Headlines of the week. Woman who can't stop fighting is left screaming as her back is adjusted with horrific sounding cracks. I shall read from the sheet of paper. Okay. A woman who can't stop fighting has sought help from a chiropractor to see if getting her back clicked can help with her gases. This is a fighting issue. Uh, This is from a TV show called Crack Addicts. On TLC. It's not, it's not about bums, is it? <laughs> oh no, it's golf, isn't it? I don't mean I don't mean I don't, when I say bums, I don't I mean, you know, uh glutamus maximus, not um, you know, tramps. No, uh, no, it's about cracking, you know, like cracking your fingers. I know. Chiropractin. Yeah. Chiropractitioner. Mm-hmm. Uh crack addicts follows medical professional Dr. Alessandra Colon. Bullshit. It's there in black and white. Native ad. Native ad. Yeah. Quote, healing patients with the power of chiropractic adjustment and a big sense of humour. Uh, 
Oh, yeah. Yeah. In the trailer, patients are twisted into seemingly uncomfortable positions as they have their necks clicked and their toes tugged, while a previous preview showed a woman wearing a cinching steel corset for 16 hours a day. What the fuck? Have you got a photo? (laughs) Johnny, Johnny's, look, Johnny's after in chat. I remember, I I don't know what that is. Do you not know what that is? This? I've got a, I've got a, I've got the trailer for Crack, Crack Addicts. Shall we have a look? <laughs> okay. My left side on her is sitting about an inch and a half higher than the right side of her pelvis, and you're kind of almost shifted, like you're rotated anteriorly on this side as well. This- That's Dr. Cole on there in the blue. She's not called Dr. Cole. I mean, she te- she changed her name. Nobody's called Cole. How do you pronounce that? Cologne. 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 <laughs> Maybe. This is where your bone is sitting right now. The sacrum is that triangular part, right? And it's controlled uh, by the, the pelvis. So we can look go... Look at us dropping Illuminati I... hand signals left, right and centre. Doctor. A chiropractor is not a real doctor. Whoa! It's not. Of course it is. It's not. It is. No, she, she's got like... I bet she's got a PhD in... Um, Chiropractic. It's not like it's not like an MD, is it? No, that's allopathic. We've been through this. Yeah, whatever. All the other kinds of medicine are no longer available. You have to take the drugs. You have to do allopathic medicine only with the pharmaceuticals. You can't have chiropractic or ortho whatever. I think it was. Ch- chiropractic, I think, is, is more popular in the US than it is here. Yeah, it is. Yeah, yeah. I don't like it. I've heard bad things about it. Chiropracting. Uh, yeah. <laughs> I've heard of, well, you heard that. about ba- babies being? Oh no, not oh! I've heard about, but ba- yeah, like um, I did actually. I did a panic Google once when one of ours was young, and you could. <coughs> and it was like for um, what did he did gripe? Is it called griping? And and they've got like reflux and stuff. Griping? Is that like D and B? They go, and then they go. So you can wind. So you can go. To, you can take him to a chiropractor, and it oh. and it gets the wind. Yeah. Okay. Anything for sleep, Phil? Didn't uh, I think what uh, one of our previous guests, Doctor Mary Helen Hensley, who's in Ireland, the one who had the near death experience with the car crash. Oh God, she that was, is way back. Yeah, it's a deep cut. It's <laughs> an Army Inquisition episode, hundred and sixty something, probably. Yeah. She was a, a doctor, like what you call, like they would call them alternative right. medical doctor. But anyway, let's proceed while she drops her Illuminati hand signals everywhere. <laughs> superior inferior anterior posterior and hers was really rocked superior and anterior like that i'm thinking okay that can't be good that would definitely pinch a nerve that could definitely decrease signals and create digestive issues so i guess it caused massive amounts of farting is she full of wind so this is the one full of wind she fart constantly farting this lady yeah oh right farting out of her out of her arsenal okay what you're here because all the farting and tooting but i actually think you're gonna walk out with a little bit more than that okay. <laughs> i broke him back God, i haven't even done it yet <laughs> based sigma chad spinal yeah. injuries and his sacrum is super rotated by adjusting the sacrum we're really hoping to increase function and turn off the gases now if we're going all the way down now brace if you're a bit squeamish you might want to brace yourself or look away. What did they used to say on there? 
<laughs> that program that Richard Madeley and Nestor Anson were on. That's life. <laughs> Do you remember that's life in the nineties when they used to they give yeah. a warning to tell the kids to go to bed? Yeah. If you've got young children, you might want to send them to bed now. Yeah. So brace yourselves because we're going to get some proper chiropractic here. Okay. All the way down? All the way down, girl. Okay. You do me a favor, and I want you to just wiggle that right toe. Wiggle your toe. Wiggle it. <laughs> oh my god! That, What's that got to do with the fucking pelvis? <laughs> <laughs> she lives in a wheelchair. <laughs> Like, I was a little bit in shock. That was a hell of a reaction, wasn't so, it? So, like, her entire pelvis is twisted because she had a crick in her neck. Maybe. Hey, uh, like, what do you call it? The way you stand and sit. Uh, your posture. Posture, yeah. Posture's a thing, isn't it? So, if, like, if your neck's like this, <laughs> it makes all your pelvis all twisted and shit. The sacrum. Yeah. The sacrum is not correctly in line with the Illuminati. So what she did there was break her neck so that her twisted pelvis matched up with her broken neck now. Yeah, maybe that's it. Right, okay. Wiggle it. Ah! <laughs> oh my god, that was the best thing ever! Oh my god! <laughs> like, I was a little bit in shock. I just didn't know that my back was like that. And that I was going for here. More? Oh! <laughs> that's... Fuck that. I mean, looks horrible, doesn't it? So I think that I think that is a uh, a sadist. (laughs) She's yeah, she's a sadist, and the other one's a masochist. But um, that's like a a trick, isn't it? Focus on your foot because ah, like what Tim was saying there. Break the wrist, wrist walk away. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) because what you're focusing on. Yeah. So she's just thinking, all oh, right, she got my neck, she got my neck. But if you tell her immediately, think of your foot, mm. and then I twist your neck and break it. <laughs> you're not gonna... <laughs> yeah. What no. the farage? Oh, man. Love Ooh. it. I want you to look up to the ceiling for me. <laughs> Big breath. Uh, let it out, let it out, let it out, let it out, let it out. I thought she was meant to be fighting all the time, this woman. Uh, whoa. I, there was a per- I'm pretty sure if you just take that back, mm-hmm. she almost says Arsenal. Right, just put right oh. The next one. Love Ooh. it. I want you to look up to the ceiling for me. Ah. Arsenal! Good breath. Arsenal! She said it. She started. <laughs> Arsenal! <laughs> okay. She did. Let it out, let it out, let it out, let it out. Ah. Oh. Oh. See, she's working on the sacrum there, would you not say? Yeah, that's fine. This is all fine. Yeah. yeah. She just had to break her neck first. <laughs> yeah, she just had to loosen, get her all loosey-goosey. Oh. Take a big breath. And let it all out. <laughs> I wasn't sure did I break her. Did you like that? Did you not like that? Damn, that felt good. <laughs> that felt so good. Oh with a scream, I wasn't sure which way we were going no, with that. No, just no, no. I'm a screamer. <laughs> you just see her scream, and then like, oh, like she was so relieved in that moment, and you orgasmic by the sounds of it. Uh, well, uh, you know, a good crack. Do you, ever, do, you, do you ever get that feeling in your knee and you need to crack it? Oh, oh my God, that was the best thing ever. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
had to isolate that. That's that's almost as good as Farage. Press it again. <laughs> what, which Farage? I mean, what the Farage? Any of the Farage. Oh, I've got that many Farages. Exactly. But... Oh my god, that was the best thing ever! <laughs> you know, um, you know, my favorite podcast, No Agenda. Is it? Yeah, they do a thing which we do. Mm-hmm. It's called an end of show ISO, an isolated clip that plays. At the, it's the last thing you hear on the show. Right, okay, right. Mm-hmm. And I do that. Most of you probably don't know because you probably switch off after seven minutes, right? But at the end of every podcast, there's silence and then the end of show I saw. Yeah. And um, No Agenda, I got the idea from No Agenda, right? Mm-hmm. And people submit end of show I saw. So I've done this before for No Agenda and I don't think I've had one played yet. No. But I sent this one to the podfather today, Adam Curry, yeah. this morning. Uh, what time will it have been? About... Midday today, yeah. So maybe five a.m. Texas time. Instant reply, lols. <laughs> so fingers crossed. I might this clip. Oh my god, that was the best thing ever! Oh my god. Might finish No Agenda show, which is currently streaming live now as well. Um, I think this might be your second shout out on No Agenda. Then. Well, you don't get a shout out. In the, but you know, but last time you did, didn't you? Did he not put you in the show notes or something? Oh, well, I've done an end-of-show mix yeah. for them, and I got a shout-out for that. Yeah, Amish Phil. Yeah. It's just that that was it. should say Amish Phil of the Amish Inquisition podcast. Yeah, I probably should, but, you know. You see it all just, like, fall out of her body. I want you to drop those shoulders all the way down to the ground. Let the arms just hang heavy, heavy, heavy. There you go. Oh. One more time, and... Oh, there, there it was. <laughs> it was so I was actually expecting her to fart in my face. But I was going to take one for the team. Let's do this. There you are. Crack addict. Crack addicts. I mean, how do you, where does TV go from there? It's pinnacle shit, isn't it? Yeah. It's pinnacle. Yeah. Yeah. Let's move on. Okay. Seagulls high on spice after making off with stashes of drugs. Are you familiar with this phenomenon? Is it Blackpool? I think it's everywhere where seagulls and spice and all things nice are found. Blackpool, then. <laughs> Britain's seagulls seem to be developing an appetite for a little more than just unguarded fish and chips. Mm. There are apparently increasing reports of the seaside pests swooping down to make <laughs> off with drug users' stashes. In particular, a group of synthetic cannabinoids known as spice. This is like this is like from June, isn't it? No, it's this week. I thought it was last week. <laughs> the story, you mean? What are you on about? The fucking book, June. Oh, Dune. June. Okay. Oh yeah, that the drug in June is called spice. Spice. Yes. It it, it permits interstellar travel, Phil. Right. I've not read it. I've got it on the Dune. shelf. Dune. Dune. Are you going for the American? pronunciation is well it's, Ameri- it's american author isn't it so i would say yeah dune 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 yeah spice use in humans can cause euphoria talkativeness paranoia nausea and mood swings <laughs> in some cases the sedative effects are so acute that users have been compared to zombies we've heard that terminology spice, spice. zombie zombies yeah oh, well the thing is what you do you call between the devil and a rock at a hard place and a spice zombie yes 
Uh, yeah, surprisingly enough, there's been very little research into the synthetic narcotics effects on seagulls. Mm. I don't know like, why that should be surprising. Uh, incidents of the birds swooping down to nick users' stashes of the drug have apparently been reported in Hastings, East Sussex, Margate and Kent, as well as cities including London, Leeds, Manchester and Liverpool. As a former Spice user, Kevin Robertson, 45, of Hastings. Why is that funny? Former Spice user. <laughs> former Spice user, Kevin Robertson, 45, from Hastings, told the paper, Gals will only go for anything. They used to come up behind us and grab whatever we had. If we were stoned and completely out of it, the girls could just take the joint we were smoking and fly off. In the end, the best place for us was in the covered bus shelters. But even then, the seagulls seemed to know where we were. Where, where's he from, this guy? Hastings. Right, okay. Where their battle was. Yeah. Azad of Leeds, who is also a former user, added, A seagull and spice is not a good combo. It turns them into psycho gulls. <laughs> psycho gulls. Yeah, I mean, this is, you know... Pinnacle media deconstruction. Spice zombie psycho goals. Yeah, no, well, yes. Don't disrespect the power of a flying seagull on spice. Pet your eyes out. I mean, when was it when we were seeing that man try and beat someone up with his pet snake? <laughs> Last week. <laughs> That's it, right, okay. Okay. What are you suggesting that a seagull will use his pet snake? Maybe he'd eaten a, a spiced up seagull. <laughs> <laughs> And, and the man, the other man, was trying to steal his remaining supply of spice. Maybe his supply of spiced seagulls. <laughs> That's it. I'll just zip on and get my pet python and wrap you around the edge with it. Maybe the, the python had eaten the spiced seagull and the python was controlling the man. Holy fuck! <laughs> Didn't think that, did you? Yeah. Yeah. Or maybe the man was a parcel tongue. Yes. Nice, nicely done. No wonder your children can't sleep at night. I found a cadaver! Do you, do, you, do you do it with that forcefulness? In the... <coughs> I think you have I to. Think. I think you have to when you're casting spells, don't you? I think you've got a menial, like the Patronus thing. What's it? Expecto Patronum! Patronum, is it? Yeah. Right, okay. What do you think your Patronus would be? <laughs> A turd. A skunk. <laughs> a skunk. <laughs> mm. I don't think you can have a turd. You can. You, you would break the rules. <laughs> it's inanimate. Not your turd. <laughs> the Patronus has to move. It has to animate. It won't turd move when you push it. <laughs> Expect a Patronum. And the turd to sort of... Just sort of rolls down a hill. <laughs> yeah, I'm not having that. Okay. I can't believe you're disrespecting me such. Such. Um, it's not fair, that is it, listeners? No, it's not fair. What would your patronus be? I was just trying to think um, something befitting of a gentleman <laughs> like me. Maybe a lemming. <laughs> Just follow oh, the crowd to crowd run off the edge gonna, of the cliff. Not gonna last ten minutes in Hogwarts, or no? Oh look, <laughs> turd, the turd and lemming career. Exactly. Yeah. Oh, uh, we'd totally be Hufflepuffs as well. Yeah, 
the weakest of the, <laughs> the houses. We'd end up working to helping the groundsman, Hagrid. <laughs> oh, look. Hey, Harry, look. It's Turd and the Lemon. <laughs> Come to give us a lift with my blast-ended screws. <laughs> exactly, yeah. You're a wizard, Turd. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my gosh. Well, anyway. Mm. Uh, where were we? Uh, yeah, after one such... In- back to the seagulls, the spice gulls, the psycho gulls. Mm. After one such incident in Wrexham, locals reportedly said that one of the birds went mad after taking someone's supply of the drug, dive-bombing pedestrians before eventually coming to collapse on the pavement. Mad shit, man. Yeah. Anyway, let's move on from that one. What's uh, the third headline of this week? Ad gaff. Care home bosses apologise after shocking spelling mistake on advert. <laughs> so this is an advert on a uh, on a bus stop, and uh, the home in question is Skeleton Court, and they've named it Skeleton Court. This care home. Um, they might as well. Why? Well, you know. Because they're all old and fucked. Just the alleged, you know, standard of care in your average care home that you read about in the Daily Mail. A care home has apologised for a spelling mistake on its ad, naming it Skeleton Court. Bosses at Skeleton Court said they were investigating the error. Their promotional poster at a bus stop shows an elderly resident with a young carer. But the welcoming tone was dealt a blow by the printing blunder in Saltburn by the Sea, North Yorkshire. Martin Walker, 44, of nearby Stockton's on T- Stockton on T said, I noticed the poster as I drove past. At first, I wondered whether it was a slightly bad taste joke, but it looks as though the printers have made a typo. <laughs> oh, shit. That can happen, but surely someone must have read them before they were put up for everyone to see. He's proofreading this shit. Who knows? I'm not sure many people would have would be keen to have their loved ones moving us somewhere known as Skeleton Court. No. Uh, another who spotted it and shared the image on Twitter wrote, A new care home has opened in my parents' village of Skelton. Bold choice of naming, considering the age of the residents. Uh, Skelton Court owner Anka said, We're really sorry for the error in the ad. We're getting it removed and looking into how it happened. Just sloppy, sloppy shits, isn't it? Mm-hmm. So that's that's all all there is to it. Who's proofreading your ads, man? AI, probably. Last one, last headline for this week. Airhead. Ed Miliband wears a two hundred and fifty pound inflatable crash helmet, so he doesn't mess up his hair while cycling to work. You believe that? Would you like to see some photographic evidence? I've seen these uh, advertised. They look well. When they when they go off, and they look great, don't they? <laughs> Wild, isn't it? Yeah, you know, spiky spikes on his head. Mm. Do you like that Photoshop job? That's good. Did you do that? I did it. Yeah. Did you? Yeah, five mm. minutes. No, you didn't. Literally five minutes. I did. I did it on GIMP. Did you? Oh, oh I'll tell you what, I did it on GIMP today. There was a lot of fucking around. <laughs> God, there was a lot of fucking around with that GIMP. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I did it. 
And your results were much better than mine. <coughs> I'm a dab and finger in the gimp these days. Housekeeping. I'll leave it there. Yeah. Housekeeping. Just like that hang in people's psyche. This is a uh, value value podcast. If you find this podcast valuable, please consider returning some value to us. And my favourite way of returning value, as always, is word of mouth, sharing the message, posting links in your uh, your Discord servers, your Telegram groups, your Facebook pages, uh, wherever you are online, or, or even in the flesh. Smash people in the face with CDs like Ninja Stars. Um, or uh, gouge people's eyes out with USB sticks. There's one last chance you have, though. You're being dragged into the tree line or around behind a building or, or this woman right here at <laughs> gunpoint in the car as a passenger. And that last chance is to gouge his eyes. <laughs> I didn't say poke. I didn't say jab. I said gouge his eyes. <laughs> How else can you become a producer and uh, return some value to us? You could always join the Element server. There's loads of shizzle going down in there. Mm, um, Sam's been sending loads of stuff through on Element, hasn't he, this week? I've he, noticed. Yes, he has. That's what, the online what, community, isn't it, where you can, where we are, where he, we can meet? You can, you can chat to us. Um, even Ben uses the Element server. Um, he didn't use Discord, um, but now he's using Element for some reason. Maybe it's up his element, Ali. Um, you can um, send us news articles, audio clips. If they're long, you need to timestamp them, please. You may even have a headline selected for headlines of the week. Yeah, you certainly will. Um, you could be, become a producer that way. Yeah, or via the email, the Inquisition at gmail.com. Uh, Elias sent us loads of different stuff on email this week. Yeah. Uh, some bits that I can, some stuff you can't use. Like um, there was one. In fact, I posted it in the Element server. It was that. Um, oh, it's like a deep fake of this morning, where they changed Holly's voice and made her say some outrageous shit <laughs> next to oh, Philip. Yeah, yeah. Um, but it, it's yeah. got the this the this morning theme song going through it. So we'll we'll just get compl- struck for copyright instantly if we try and play stuff like that. Mm. But so some we'll we use what we can, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, you can leave us reviews. If you leave us a review, we'll try and pick it up. Um, sometimes we can pick out comments as well. So you know, leave some comments on all the different media platforms that we use, podcasts or yeah, I YouTube. Like, I like highlighting comments and DMs and stuff on yeah. YouTube and other places. That's fun. Yeah. Um, the more ridiculous, the better. With that, um, <coughs> remember to smash the like button. Mm. Um, don't just tickle it; smash it. Um, Comment, sub, like, ring that bell, I believe you do as well, online. Yeah, um, helps. Even in the element, you can send us show artwork. Have we had any submissions this week? No, we haven't. We have no artwork submissions this week for the show, for the podcast. Um, so I adapted the YouTube thumbnail to produce this coming in, episode 282. What do you think of that? It's fine. 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 Better, it's better than you know. I think you know the purple, the purple hue. Um, Is it optimal? <laughs> you've created an optimal hue. Yeah, right. I like the 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 gold on purple. It's reminiscent of 
Um, Charlton Athletic away kit, 1987. Uh, no, just oh. uh, when Jesus has died, they wear purple in, in the Catholic Church, don't they? Oh, do they really? I think during Easter, yeah, when it's a time of mourning, I think. Now then, so I wonder where that comes from, the, because, you know, the Romans. The purple. Donning the purple was what the emperor did. Well, only the emperor could wear purple, wasn't it? Yeah, because it was so expensive. Yeah. Purple dye mm. was so expensive. Yeah, I think it was invented in the Victorian era, that, you know, a, a, a synthetic purple dye. Oh, right. To make it cheaper, yeah, and that's yeah. why it got really popular. The same with the, uh, the legions, um who wore green. Um, only, I think, the palace guards wore green. Um, what were they called? The Praetorian Guard. Yeah, the Praetorians. I'm not sure if it was Praetorian Guards oh. or Palace Guards. Camera keeps doing that tonight, doesn't it? Yeah, I don't know. Uh, I was fucking with it before we did uh, Rise Above. Mm. Uh, and the reason being uh, that only the Palace Guards wore green is because it was a dual process. I think they had to dye it yellow and then dye it green. So it took twice as much long and twice as much to mm. to get green. It was another problem with that Cleopatra thing because they're all wearing green. Lots of legionaries. It's like no, it's too dear. You won't be doing that. <laughs> but yeah, enough of that. We talked about it on Rise Above. We should mention we did Rise Above on Friday. We did Rise Above. Yeah, I posted the links on social media before we went on on Twitter, mm-hmm. I think, and Instagram. But mm-hmm. yeah, it was good fun, wasn't it? We met up with Lance and Andy and Oma Beats. On Friday, we did got yeah. mashed. Listen to some some dandelion and burdock. I don't believe that's what it is, isn't it? Dandelion and burdock music. Yeah, DMB. Yeah, <clears throat> yeah, yeah. Look, it. it was good fun. You should uh, check it out. In mm-hmm. fact, I will. I've already made the thing live now, but I will go back and put a link in the show notes. So if you're listening live, it won't be there. But if you're listening post coitus, <laughs> post live stream, I'll put a link into the rise above we did on Friday. It was good yeah. fun. Uh, so we did artwork. That was the last thing we did, wasn't it? Um, merch. We can buy some merch. You could get a bacon nuts t-shirt mug, uh, sixteen ounce glass. Um, you could get a three weeks to flatten the earth t-shirt. This is my favourite. This is the design that Lee did from the Big Conspire. I saw him mm-hmm. in the chat earlier, mm-hmm. and it's just genius. That it's fantastic. That is, it probably is the strongest of the artworks. Well, it's the concept, isn't it? It's just a great concept. He did the, he did the bacon nuts one as well. He so, did, yeah. You know. No one buys them, though. <laughs> <laughs> that was an in-joke. The bacon nuts thing was an in-joke from our show we did with Robert Frederick, all about Francis Bacon and uh, uh, Shakespeare and, you know, Freemasonry and Gnosticism and all that weird shit that was happening in the Elizabethan period. His podcast so, is really good. It's really worth a listen if you're into Francis Bacon. Yeah. And The Big Conspire while you're at it as well. And The Big Conspire, out. yeah. Um, so, yeah, link to the merch store, the Amish Loot Chest, is in the show notes, as mm. always. And uh, if you want to support us that way, you get something to keep, some apparel or a drinking implement, and uh, we get a cut. Yeah. Um, send us birthday shout-outs, guest suggestions. Um, we get a lot of guest suggestions from you people. That yeah. helps. We've only got three pairs of eyes and ears. We don't know, you know, there's only so much we can keep keep on top of. So it helps if you if you see someone up and coming and think, wow, this is great. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. Check this out. Hit us up and we'll get them on. We'll endeavour. We can only ask. It's amazing. Anyone says yes, to be honest, isn't it? Yeah, uh, definitely. Um, Focus G requests. So, you know, if your chi is depleted... 
Have you got a big exam coming up? Have you got a driving lesson? Have you run over a small fairy, fairy animal? Um, have you had a run-in with a, a psycho gull spice seagull zombie? Yeah, that's stolen a little bit of your chi. Yeah. Um, may, is, you can put in a, a focus chi request. This oh. is a service we offer that is unique. Yeah, and we, we, we so will show. replenish your chi for free. We will aim it in your general direction as a community. Yeah, I think, you know, the, there is a, there is the potential um, that some of that chi, unfortunately, last week or the week before, went into the Australian wank fiend um, and made his prostate explode. Um, so um, probably the more requests we get, the better, you know. Yeah, if we're storing up too much, chi. it's going to explode, isn't it? I think so, and, and people are going to have to start posting it out. Yeah, we need milking regularly. We do, don't we? Of we, our tree. Yeah. Oh, okay. What's, uh, I think we've done everything. Have we covered everything? I think so. Yeah. What's the best way to become a producer? Do you toss us a coin? Mm. Toss a coin to yes, your witch. Yes, do it for the lads. Lads. Because, you know, we know what we're doing. They know what they're doing, Leia. If you go to the armistinquisition.com, um, you'll find a PayPal button there and you can give us a one-off donation or sign up for a monthly recurring sustaining donation. This is the value-for-value value concept. Everything is voluntary. No uh, sponsorship deals, nothing behind paywalls where you get you know half free and then you sign up to get the second half. Like other, you know, it's, There's nothing wrong with other ways of doing it. It's just this is the way we do it. It's all voluntary yeah. and yeah. Uh, can't do it without you helping us, supporting us. So... Mm. With that said, I think we should thank the producers for this week. Would you agree? I think it's... Not quite yet, no. No? Um, we've got to say about the newsletter, because it's growing towards the end of the month. Good shout. So sign up for the Rumspringer in the, from the website or in the show notes. Um, and, you know, you'll be able to read Ben's article. Good catch. I totally forgot about the <clears throat> I just saw it the there. Newsletter. Yeah. Oh, Number shit. two on the list. That's what I have to do next week. <laughs> shit. Uh, what do you get? You get um, a preview. You'll find out all the guests for June yep. uh, with uh, biographies and links. You'll get um, a discount code for the merch store for that month, 10% off. Uh, there's usually memes and funny stuff, jokes, and generally uh, try and write an article or a book review or something. I'm mm. giving it any thought this month, and it's like it's Thursday, I think, the first, isn't it? So I'm going to have to get my finger out. You are. And get it done. Right, shall we big them up now? Shall we big up the Mandems? Big up the Mandems, yo. Oh, gosh. <laughs> it's time to big up the Mandems, yo. Right, uh, the list of producers for episode 282 is... Alaya, Martin Young, Rona Kesson, Richard Morris, Ben Limmer, Helen and Sam. Thank you. They are. Yeah. So amazing in their love. Oh, Willie G. Literally. The best mate. Wolf. The current. The great. The doctor of thugonomics. The homophobe. The wind. The giant fucking lenses. The chest feeding. Communist. The, the base the Sigma Chad. The corn pop. The baby penis. Inner asshole. The, 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 the,
These clockwork clowns The dime bar The number 11 The big gun on the bus The blind man The big chungus The cripple and the mother Let me pick you in From hell Bring it on Are you retarded? Verse seems so sus So sus So sus Don't get it Never will He bends to electrical Thanks for your support for another week. Uh, mm, yes. We uh, literally could not do it without you. So thanks for your support. Literally. <laughs> literally the giant fucking lenses. <laughs> uh, should we do some chemtrails? I mean, it would be the first time we've covered it. Is it? Mm. Uh, it's because it's gone mainstream now. Okay. Um, have you heard of The View? The band? No. The <laughs> day- daytime uh, American show. No. It's essentially Americans, uh, America's Loose Women. Right, okay. Uh, Whoopi's on there. Whoopi I was just going to say, is it the one with Whoopi Goldberg on? Yeah. <clears throat> and uh, I've got this clip from, I don't know when it was, quite recently, where they're talking about chemtrails. Like, it's just something normal that's always happened. Um, cloud seeding is something that I studied in school for meteorology, mm-hmm. weather modification. Mm-hmm. Back when I went to school, it was like, I've poo-pooed a little bit. It was too expensive. It's not efficient enough. Well, guess what? When you get desperate and then technology gets better, 20 years later, here we are. Cloud seeding is ramping up so big. You see... Look at the pipes coming out of the plane. Is this... What did it... Is it silver dioxide? Is that what it is? That they put into clouds? To cloud... To cloud seeders. Is that what they claim they're doing? <laughs> they're dulling the population. What do you think... The, what do you think they're uh, laying down... In the, in the clouds to rain down upon us. I think maybe they shouldn't be fucking with the weather. Maybe they should leave the weather alone. What about you fucking a, lunatic? What about a cloud gun? A cloud buster. <laughs> a cloud buster. It's like, why are you laughing? Because I, I don't know. You know, I, I haven't seen any droughts around Lancashire recently. I don't think we need any any cloud oh, seeding. Oh, we don't. No. no, no. So maybe they should fucking quit it then. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, <laughs> I think we. We lose sight of the fact that we quite often move off from places and it seems to have got to the point now that we think that we can master the environment and shape it to fit us rather than us having to move off somewhere else. Sheer fucking hubris. Exactly, yeah. Is what I would describe it as. Me there, showing that flare on the plane. They send silver iodide. Silver iodide. Iodide, not dioxide. Yeah, so they say. Yeah. Into the clouds, and, and then it makes it snow oh, more. That makes sense. Yeah, it makes it snow more. In this particular instance, what does what it? What, what does it snow? <laughs> snow silver, silver, silver snow, di- silver iodide. Just shards, silver shards. Just shit, <laughs> shit. Oh, wow. So they can't make a cloud, right? But they're taking storms right. that are already there and then giving it a little boost. Mm. So this mm, give it a little boost. Give it a little give boost. Give them storms a little boost. With some nice, lovely chemicals. Some lovely chemicals in the air. Mm. That can't be a problem. This is not, that part's not new. What's new is they have hundreds of these ground cloud seeders. So they're actually puffing the silver iodide with a flare. This is new, no? I hadn't heard about this one. Never, never heard of puffing. Ground puffers. <laughs> They're seeding the clouds with ground puffers now. With cool. Flare. Giant fucking flares. Giant fucking lenses <laughs> of, of cloud seeding. Whoopi's like, she doesn't look, uh, 
She doesn't want to convince No, her, she? she's like, oh, why are we firing silver iodide into the air? Um, yeah, who's accountable for this again? Whose decision was this? I don't remember being consulted whether I wanted my weather modified no. for me. <laughs> and you see, I think I have a picture of the actual ground cloud cedar. It looks like a fucking shed. <laughs> That's it. Yeah. Just, it? just fire shit into the atmosphere. That's fine. No. Into the air. That thing sits all over the Rocky Mountains, all over the American uh-huh. West. Ten states are doing this. Yeah. And I wanted to tell this story because my friend... Ra- Ten states? Right. That's what they're reporting, anyway. Us ...is the state climatologist of Colorado, and he said, you got to see what's happening with, cli- wow. with um, cloud seeding. With cloud... Wow. They're <laughs> 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 fucking lunatics, aren't they? Uh, yeah. Um... <sighs> It's almost as good as the Bill Gates plan to, you know, put the reflective particles into the atmosphere to cool us down. Hold up. Wait a minute. Something ain't right. Fuck that shit. Do you know, uh, that hat wouldn't work if he didn't have a beard. How's that, how do you mean? I think it just balances it out. Like, the beard is big, the hat is small. He is big, the hat is small. But it all just kind of works. You're saying he's nailed the look yeah. by having the beard and the port... Is it a port pie hat, did we say? Or a, a mini bowler or something? I think it's a bowler, isn't it? I don't think it's a port pie. It's a bowler. It's a bowler, yeah. Again. Well, um, sticking with weather modifications, should we do something? We got sent this video today from Aliyah. Uh, a potential directed energy weapon being caught on camera. Do you remember that show we did with Keith Hunter not so long ago? The earthquake machines and uh, occult physics. Yeah, talking about the uh, the east northwest thing under the sea. Yeah, that, that military bases in Australia and that where they're drilling down and got giant sounding holes. Sounding. Ooh. Yeah. Ben's not here, so, so we can talk about it safely. Yeah. Mm. Oh, thank God for that. You're not gonna eat Ben. Mm-hmm. So uh, check this video out. Hey y'all, Myra here. So take a look at this crazy video. This just happened today, May 26th in Chile. Um, so quick backstory. May 26th, that's two days ago. It's the 28th today. Right, okay. Sorry, a man was in his apartment and he heard five explosions and then his electricity went out. He ran to his balcony to see what was going on or to see if he could see anything. <laughs> and he happened to catch the six... Ex- the smoke coming off there. So he's saying he heard five booms and then he went out with his phone and recorded this and it's like a it's like a mobile phone footage from a skyscraper looking across a a city and you see this like energy beam hit a building and some smoke come off it you look very skeptical no i think it what do you mean i think it's i think it's fake fake. i think it's fake news could be could be but you know i want it to be real this a is from a, a TikToker called... <laughs> no, I hope it's fake. <laughs> Where's it coming from? Can I satellite? take it back? Can I take it back? <laughs> it's called uh, Out of the Paranormal Chic. So, I mean, you know, I, I, I would not put it past there to be a satellite that could fire an energy beam like that to take out a target. But mm. I'm, I'm coming down on the... I'm being on the sceptical side here and saying this is... A fake. Bull shit. Yeah. Well, I think that should be the default, should it not? The default position should be scepticism mm-hmm. and uh, look into it. I've literally only came through today, so I just quickly grabbed the video and uh, 
shoved it on the set list. So I've not had any Explosion. chance to look into it. It looks like a laser beam, y'all. A laser beam. Is this some sort of... There's a weird... When the beam ends, it kind of sort of just cuts rather than evaporates. But I mean, it's like, I don't know what a laser beam directed energy weapon should look like. You're getting a closer look. Do you want me to knock it back to that last blast? It looks like a laser beam, y'all. A laser beam. Is this some sort of super advanced technology we have no idea about is it some sort of government testing is like it looks so it's not actually blowing anything up no no i don't think that's the idea is it oh right. it's not supposed to create an explosion is it it's just oh. supposed to it just irradiate whatever's in its path no well like uh vaporize it. yeah well just destroy it it's like when you star trek phases to stun people don't <laughs> explode when they get get phased futuristic i'm mind blown a little bit <laughs> but there was no explosion it was just this laser beam hitting a specific location i have Ooh, no idea what what like post comment repost this is the purportedly the man mm. who's recording it his voice mm. Let me know. cuando vuelva la luz va a volver a explotar Oye, justo hay una micro ahí, weón. Uh, un chetumut. Well, there is a bit of, the smoke looks real actually, doesn't it, but But that could be a fire or a car crash or something that's and had the laser beam. Overlaid, it. overlaid, yeah. We don't know. <coughs> Maybe yeah, you know, we need to look into it. Have we not got any contacts within the government? <laughs> <laughs> no. He accused me of being controlled up. Yeah. A sleeper. Well, I don't think you're asleep. I think you're very much awake. <laughs> a sleeper, a spice seagull. <laughs> I think you're being... I think Patronus. I think you're being controlled by a, a spice seagull um, from within a python. Oh, right. Like, so I'm, I'm a homunculus. Yeah, you are. You're the homunculus of the homunculi. Don Kiddick. Whatever. Mm. Oh, that was interesting. We'll look into that maybe during the week. Right. Okay. All right. Um, what time are we on? Whoa. Why is there no clock? Uh, oh, yeah. It's, it's, there, the, big, it's the big one there. No, sorry. The runtime clock. The stream clock. Sometimes it goes off something else. Yeah. This, I've got like three clocks. I know. I've one of you. Yep. One there. Yeah. One there. That one actually says the time. Yes. That says how long the audio's been recording, two hours and four minutes. And mm -hmm. that one says how long the current stream is, 51 minutes. That's it. So, you know, I'm easily confused. I know. Mm. You read uh, Narby's book, The Cosmic Serpent. <laughs> yeah, the fucking madhead. <laughs> it's a good book, though, isn't it? I thought it was It was a very enjoyable book. <laughs> In fact, so it's still there on the shelf. It is here. I suppose his main thesis is that um, the shapes found within uh, the trips, basically... The DMT trips. Uh, sorry, ayahuasca trips. The ayahuasca trips, you know, the, the cosmic serpents, are essentially um, the double helix of DNA or representative of that. Um, but he, I think he, he takes it... He, 
this this particular tribe are they called the Ashin Ashininka? Ashininka, I think they're called. Pass. In I want to say Peru. Peru. I want to say Peru, but it might be Colombia. I don't know. No, it's Peru. Um, <clears throat> I know him well. Um, but he takes it because he says, yeah, um, they talk in a literal sense. So it's like, I can't give you an example because I read it two weeks ago. Um, like um, Anita Dick and me. Yeah. So if you said that, it means like, I think it's quite practical as well. So they would, everything kind of demonstrates um something in the real world essentially so when they're kind of talking about these serpents or whatever they literally mean you know the plants told them or whatever <laughs> that's what the, all these tribes seem to say isn't it that because there's this quandary of how they managed to create the concoction out of all the species available in the rainforest that they found these particular two hmm. things one that's uh an inhibitor isn't it one one has dmt in it and one's a yeah, so there's a vine, isn't it, that has the DMT in it and there's something else that has the thing in that stops you from breaking down the DMT. Yeah, in the stomach. And yeah. then, because uh, normally if you smoke DMT, it only lasts like half an hour and this can last hours. Um, the ordeal. The other thing as well in the book was him talking about DNA emitting photons which was something I'd never heard of. But I suppose maybe everything emits photons. So I think what he's kind of suggesting is that you, when you go on a trip, um, you, are, you, are, you can see what your DNA is emitting, basically, or what the DNA is emitting. It's bizarre. It's very bizarre. I like it. Because you're shutting down all of your sensory stuff. Yeah. It's worth a read if you've not read it. 200 pages. Quick, quick read, quick it? read, yeah. Quip through it. It's an old book as well, wasn't it? Late nineties when it came out. Yeah, I think he wrote it in the mid nineties, and it came out in about ninety eight. Yeah. So, um, and I suppose there's probably a lot of re- scientific research in there um, that's probably been updated by now. Yeah, he's still around, Jeremy yeah. Narby. I don't think he was a particularly old guy when he wrote it. No, I think he was in his forties. Yeah, so I think he might be in his sixties now. French Canadian, I think he is. Oui, oui. Yeah. He was living in Switzerland. Is that right? Well, when he was writing the book, he says. You're reading out at the minute. Um, I'm reading a book about consciousness at the moment, a mainstream book by Anil Seth called Being You. Right. Is that a new book? Um, I got it a couple of years ago, I think, um, for my birthday, but I've never picked it up and I've picked it up recently. It's okay, it's interesting. That's what he was talking about, the Bayesian... Um, Statistical analysis. Yeah, in terms of... So basically, his his kind of idea of, of what I can get from it is consciousness is derived from your brain trying to um, make predictions around the world... Sorry, about the world around you. And every time you make a prediction, it reduces the amount of occurrences of different things that could happen to you or something like that. Gosh. So, I don't, and then he talks about all kinds of different philosophy in it. Yeah, sounds complicated. Yeah. Well, it's just easier to say, it's just, it just gets beamed in from the next dimension. Well, um, I don't think he's opposed to that. I mean, one of the things, he, I can't remember the first I, it's called IIT theory. 
So it's I. So I can't remember if it's intrinsic. I think it might be intrinsic or implicit information theory. And in this particular theory, it's not his theory. He takes elements from it. He said, he says that consciousness is derived by the amount of information an object has. So a what did he say? A so, rock. Yeah. So a rock has all of its, you know, um, atoms and stuff. Built up. So he gave the example of a photon. So one photon or one byte or one um, binary thing, you know, is a one or a zero, it's a yes or a no. Um, that's got low consciousness in this theory. Mm. But the more information, so like a brain obviously has high consciousness. But yeah. what's implicit in this theory is that every this chair has a consciousness. Yeah, well, going back to Tim, that's what the ancients were saying. Everything has consciousness, even a rock, even yeah. a tree. Yeah, it's just different levels, different that's, levels of consciousness. That's basically what he's saying, and he's and apparently he's written it in very complicated maths. This guy who, in, uh, not Anil Seth, he wrote the book. There's another person, but he takes oh. he takes ideas from this IIT thing, um, but he wow. takes lots of ideas from other kinds of consciousness theories as well, um, to make his own. Cool. Is it long? No, it's quite it's quite short. Two hundred and seventy pages. Right. Um, sans footnotes. Oh right. Okay. Not footnotes. Sorry. Uh, References. No. Notes. 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 Not footnotes because the, the footnotes are there, aren't they, in the page? I've just started this one. The Dead Sea Scrolls Deception. By uh, Michael Bajant and Richard Lee, both deceased now. Oh. They read, read, uh, wrote, read, wrote a famous book called Holy Blood, Holy Grail, which was the one book that really kicked off the um, Da Vinci Code-esque um, theories around Jesus and this, the Holy Grail and the Holy Blood and Sangreal and all him, that sort of stuff. Him having a bitch, basically. Well, there's lots of different interpretations. Mm. Uh, Jesus in India, mm. all sorts of things. But this is about the Dead Sea Scrolls. Um, and they sort of cover up the way the academy. I'm only in. I'm only on the first chapter, but it, uh, the way I think it's going is that it was a closed shop when they were investigating the Dead Sea Scrolls, and uh, the Christians had a tight grip on who was allowed and who wasn't allowed to uh, work on it. And the one only, the, sort of the only outsider was guess who? John Marco Allegro. And they destroyed his career. He yes. absolutely pillared, pilloried him when he came out with uh, Sacred Mushroom and the Cross and his own Dead Sea Skull, Scrolls book, both of which I've read. And it's hard to make, and it's hard to verify because I'm not a philologist. But he was the only philologist who was on the team, interestingly enough. And he was the only scholar. What's a philologist again? A word. The wordsmith. <laughs> yeah, it's a word. Analyzer, I guess you would call it. So different what, words in different languages. What's an etymologist then? Well, that's where a word derives from. Okay. I think philology is maybe more comparative. Because thinking was a Tolkien was a philology. Oh, philology, I think. Yeah. Well, that would make sense because look at the language he uses. Mm. Uh, yeah. But and uh, also, Allegro was the only guy on the team who was known who had a reputation before the project. Mm. All the other scholars didn't have any sort of, I'm not going to say not any published work or anything like that, 
They were all father this and Monsignor that. Mm. So, I don't know. It's an open question. I'm not saying... I don't know. I want, I'm, I'm going to try and read it this week. If I can try and read I mean, some this week. I've read fuck all this week because I've been that busy. British Leyland named a car after him. Allegro. Yeah. Justin Allegro. What a... What a, a tribute. Yeah. But, um, yeah, his book was um, banned for a long time, you know. I believe. Sacred Mushroom and the Cross. What's that, Rick? Sorry, Morty. We've not had a Rick reference for a while. Now, um, should we do one last story before we go? Because I'm running out of material. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's fine. It's fine. Um, we're, we're actually on time. This is the time that we're supposed to finish. We're supposed to finish at half ten, aren't we? Well, no, we're supposed to, we've started, we started two minutes after eight for once. This right. Time. So, and then we've had a short break. We've, we've did four minutes less with Tim. So it all adds right. up, all okay. adds up. That's 15 minutes right there. So in, in fact, technically, we should be finished by now. Okay, well, have you heard of Worm Charming? Worm Charming. Is this from Harry Potter? No, it's from Cornwall. I think I have heard it, and you put, like, a little thing on the ground. I think I've seen it on, like, the one show or something. Well, we've all heard of snake charmers playing woodwind instruments to lure reptiles out of baskets, but how about charming worms out of the ground? The third annual Falmouth Worm Charming Championships was held in Cornwall on Sunday, which saw hundreds of worms enticed up to the surface. The skill is also known as worm grunting or worm fiddling... You're pretty good at that. As a profession, it's not very rare, with the technique passed down through the generations. In nature, worms come to the surface when they feel the vibrations of raindrops hitting the ground, which makes sense, doesn't it? Mm -hmm. Birds imitate this by pecking on the ground or stamping their feet. They do. But humans have a variety of methods, including playing instruments, banging garden forks, dancing vigorously. Screaming. Or by simply asking very politely for the worms to surface. This year's competitors managed to charm 260 worms out of the ground. Wow. A massive increase on last year, on last year which was held during a heat wave and only saw one solit- <laughs> <laughs> one solitary worm reach the surface. Teams are given a two-metre square plot to get two-metre square plot of grass to charm your worms out and 30 minutes mm. on the egg timer without digging or using mechanical tools. These are the rules. Uh, some techniques used during this year's competition include praying to the worm gods, writing a love letter to the worms, okay, playing the didgeridoo, Ooh, bad taste, and blowing into vuvuzelas. <laughs> oh, okay. Mm. Uh, this year's winning team charmed 20 worms in half an hour. Wow. But they're far behind the current world record. Would you like to guess? In half an hour. The world record for worm charming. Right, okay. So I'm... You can't touch them. You can't pull them out or anything like that. But how do you get them out? You did you do when you're vuvuzela so writing a love letter. So you can't pick them off, off the ground. You've got to leave. Someone they have to be out of the ground hole, and then you can place them in your pot. Right, okay. I see. You, you can't extract them. Okay. Um, they got I'm, 20. The winner this year got 20. I'm going to say 89. 89. 
Uh, this year's winning team charmed 20 worms in half an hour, but they're far behind the current world record. Mm. That achievement was set by 10-year-old <laughs> Sophie Smith in 2009, who charmed 567 worms during the Britain's World Worm Charming Championship. Bullshit. Are you are you suggesting that the, the men and women at Guinness do not know how to invigilate and correctly attribute a world record for worm charming? Do you know, have you ever seen the film The Shawshank Redemption? Yeah, maybe I have. Maybe I haven't. Okay. And that's when I met Andy Dufresne. That's better. So... <laughs> I've never done it before, man. Come on, give me some props. I know, yeah. Um, Jesus. But he, Andy Dufresne drops parts, little bits of his prison wall, doesn't he, in the prison yard. So what I'm suggesting is this girl turned up in a dungarees, <laughs> packed full of worms, sprinkled them all over the ground. Right, do you think they don't get, they don't get patted down? No. Oh, he's such a cynic. Yeah. No, there's no way. Right. I don't know. I would have to do some research. I would like to know what the previous world record was. Mm. You know, if there's a massive jump, mm. then, uh, you know, you could be on something. Maybe Sophie Smith, the 10-year-old, mm. was uh, a wrongan, a worm wrongan. Maybe. Well, let's see how it works, shall we? I've got a clip from this year's Worm Charming. Oh, God. The wardens are going to be patrolling you, okay? This is the worm judge laying down the law. <laughs> the wardens will be patrolling because the rules are fucking serious, man. Yeah. You do not touch your worms till they're out the ground. Do not. If anyone has been seen to break the rules, you will be disqualified. The main rule we see broken time and time again is people digging. So you're not allowed to dig at all. So that's digging. You're not allowed to dig at all. If you're scraping back the grass, you'll be immediately disqualified. You'll be taken off the pitch and none of your worms will be counted. Uh, so, also, the other main rule is please make sure you handle your worms with care. They are uh, live animals, so our motto this year is charm don't harm. Charm don't harm. I know, I've snapped loads of worms trying to move them out of the way. Why, why, why are you moving them? Well, like if I'm digging and I find one. Right. Um, so rather than like when I go back in, I don't want to chop it in half. So sometimes I try and pull it out. Don't you just make two? Don't you just make two if you do that? I think that's a myth. I think they just die. <laughs> I thought they could. Uh... I thought you could, but I, I believe it's nonsense. I thought they could be halved and survive. Well, I thought that too. I mean, fortunately, I don't do gardening, so I don't have this issue. No, you don't, do you? <laughs> When a worm is coming up out of the ground, you have to charm it. You can't pull it, okay? Uh, so is everyone ready to... Charm don't pull. Charm. And charm don't arm. Right, okay. Go! Yeah. Ready? Countdown's coming. Hell of a turnout, isn't it? Yeah. There's a few hundred people there. I would say so. Ready? We're going to see some of the different tactics employed very shortly.
Sam's saying uh, Worms is the best game ever. It is. It's, it's fucking it's hard to beat, isn't it? It is a good game. Do you remember the... Uh, I do, Ken! Yeah. It's really... <laughs> Sorry, Morty. You used to do a Hadouken. The, uh, was it Worms 2 when you got the holy hand grenade? Oh, I can't remember. You got more weapons, I think, didn't you? Worms 1, mm. it was team of four, and they were all named after pop acts, weren't they? Abba? The Beatles were there, weren't they? Yeah, John, Paul, George and Ringo. Yeah. And then you had Abba, Agnetha, Bjorn. Benny, Bjorn, Agnetha. And Tony. Oh, Anifrid. 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 So who were the other teams? Oh, Mick? Do you think Mick Rolling, Keith? Do you think Real Stones were there? The, <laughs> ki- the Kinks? No. Wouldn't have been the Kinks. Oh, I'm going to have to look that up now. It's going to do me editing. I, I want to... F- oh, Queen! Wasn't there uh, Freddie, Brian, Roger, and the bass player? <laughs> John. John Deacon. Yeah. I'm Deacon. sure Queen was one. Oh, answers on a postcard. Yeah, banana bomb. That was just chaos. That wasn't it? The banana it, bomb it on was. worms too. Yeah. Holy shit! Yeah, and sheeps. Yeah, yeah they the sheep bounce off, didn't they? And explode. Yeah, yeah. And the good old fashioned bazooka was like the go-to, wasn't it? <clears throat> You'd have someone with ten health in front of you. It's like, no, nah, I'm not getting a pump-action shotgun out. Bazooka to the face. Exactly. Yeah. And then when you died, you would uh, pull a plunger, wouldn't you, and explode yourself, your corpse. You would, wouldn't you? Your worm corpse. <laughs> right, I'm gonna have to find out who the bands were on Worms. I'm I'm thinking Abba, Beatles, Queen, and someone else. We'll fact check that for next week. Okay. Okay, back to uh What is it? Worm Charming. I've thrown me I've thrown my notes away. Where is it from? Falmouth, wasn't it? Somewhere in Cornwall. Falmouth. Falmouth. I like, I like this lady in red. It's a wonder any of them come up, to be honest, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, that's it. I thought that was a sweet event. I'd like to go to the National Worm Charming Championship. National Worm Abuse Championships. <laughs> what's uh, what's your Worm Charming Techers? What would I do? Yeah, what would you do? If you got your two-metre square patch, what would you do to charm the worms out? I think I would take a watering can um, and try and drown them out. So they have to surface. So that's my, my theory is you see worms when it rains, don't you? They're all like... Dying on the pavement. Yeah. When it starts to get dry and warm in the day. And I reckon it's because they have to leave the soil because it's become waterlogged. Saturated. So um, I would try and, yeah, I would rinse the fuckers out. Well, I'm going to say that you're not allowed to water, so uh, you're not allowed to take water, so you're going to have to urinate. Okay. You have to just piss on the floor and hope they come out. Well, I'll take my youngest then because he can hold a piss in for like three days at once, so... Like a camel. My youngest was like that. He went through a spell where he fucking struggled to get him to go for a piss. Yeah. And then he was he just like piss blessed. himself for the sake of it. Yeah. Get off the trampoline and go for a piss. <laughs> for fuck's sake. 
Okay. Yeah. Well, on we that s- note, <laughs> <laughs> shall we sign off? I think we should, shouldn't we? Yeah. Oh, my word. <sighs> we have fun, don't we? We do, yeah, wow. And these guys, I mean, they're having fun now, but my goodness, they've also got a dark side. That's it. <sighs> Fuck mm. Graham Hancock! <laughs> 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 oh, dear me. All right, I'm going to go online and get a, see if I can get a worms emulator. And have a, have a couple of racks. Right. Don't worry. Right. So. Save Popland. Yeah. Grace Javelin. You entertained? Are you not entertained? I love you. What will the end of Shoaiso be? Epic dub. That's what you need to stick around for to find out. Fuck around and find out. I'm too fat. I'm too stupid. I'm literally a communist. Thank you for watching. Wag Wan fam, you're going to Somerset. Calm down. The doctor of thugonomics. You dress up in lingerie before your mirror at home. I'm hitting the point, Phil, that, uh, uh, who's got the biggest cock, right? And it really bothers me, uh, uh, because I, I believe I, I have an issue in this respect. My name is Evan. My name is Evan. Uh, <laughs> I'm hitting the point, Phil, that, uh, <clears throat> uh, and it really bothers me, uh, 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 because I, I believe I, I have an issue in this respect. <clears throat> uh, oh my God. Hold up. Wait a minute. Send me right. <laughs> so what, what, what a baby. What a big baby. Just get on with the game. Baby. <laughs> <laughs> Hi. Can I get a fat white piece? <laughs> That's it, man. Game over, man. Game over. See you next week. Bye-bye. <laughs> <laughs>